It's Two Brain Radio. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf tactics to help you improve your fitness business and move you closer to wealth. And now, here's your host, the most interesting man in fitness, Chris Cooper. This episode is brought to you by Liquid State Design. Is it worth it to outsource your programming? And when I started TwoBrainBusiness.com, TwoBrainCoaching.com, I built these sites myself from scratch because I wasn't satisfied with what else was out there. It's important to know how to build a website yourself. It's important to know how to change your own oil. It's important to know how to rotate your own tires. But the value of your time is what's most important. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a website designer. And so I trust Liquid State Design to take care of all this stuff for me. Check them out. Talk to Teresa. They do some pretty amazing work, and a lot of Two Brain Gyms are already using them to huge advantage in their local market. Dave Picardi and Chandler Walker own Out of the Cave Media. Between the two of them, they've spent years working with gym owners through the Mad Lab Group, and now they're pursuing a different passion, which they call relationship marketing. In this interview, we're going to be talking about the power of your relationships with your clients, how to use that relationship to keep people engaged and exercising and eating right for longer, how to use those relationships to get your next best clients, the differences between sales and marketing, and also a lot of very specific tactical advice and some great ideas that you can use to help grow your business. I've always enjoyed talking to these guys, and I know that you're going to love this podcast interview. Dave and Chandler. Before we talk about what Out of the Cave Media means and what relationship marketing is, what brought you to this stage in your gym owner career? Yeah, so basically I started Stone Age Fuel way back. It was We started as a blog in about 2008 or 2009. It was just stoneagefuel.blogspot.com. And I was in school for biochem at the time and hanging out with Rob Wolf and doing all that fun stuff. And uh, we, we basically just started writing a blog about what we thought the fallacies in the supplement industry were in comparison to what we saw in science. And we gathered a following off that. And we didn't even realize it at the time, but we were socially networking. This was before Facebook was really a big thing. And Blogspot was a cool thing to do. And so gathered following on that, got invited to go talk to different gyms around the country as our little Stone Age fuel crew. Got through college and decided that I was going to open up a gym versus go on to something like medical school. I felt I could be more holistically helpful in that regard. And then that turned into Stone Age Fuel, the gym opening up in about 2013. We got tired of traveling. Now we're back to traveling. So then we opened the brick and mortar location. Started off basically as uh, turned the blog over from stoneagefuel.blogspot.com to Stone Age Fuel, affiliated with CrossFit and USA Weightlifting and then opened up a, a joint weightlifting and CrossFit slash fitness facility. And that's where we're at today. And kind of led me to the path to being, to working a lot with places like Mad Lab and learning and understanding what the relationship really is over time. Because going from the blog to Stone Age Fuel, you really understand that we're in a highly relationship-driven industry. And if you can learn to play that relationship well and to map it out long term you're going to be successful at everything you do and then we realized at one point we realized well we can't try to do marketing as part of a whole organization marketing needs to be its own entity it needs to be its own focus and it needs to be the sole thing that we focus on so that's how out of the k media was born and during that it turns out that you have to leverage we always say leverage your strengths and so we leveraged exactly what we were good at and focused solely on that and that's where we're at right now with out of the cave what a great story i'm a storyteller I, I enjoyed so that a lot. I enjoyed listening to myself talk about it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, so Dave Picardi, uh, I was at a 
kind of a crossroads in my life along 42 now I think I was like in my late 20s somewhere around there and I thought I had a midlife crisis and I got out of I always refer to it as like a real business like the real world not the gym world where it's not quite as real because uh, you get to hang out and have fun right so I shut down my company and ended up getting into the training business as a personal trainer and I liked being out of the box. I brought a martial arts background to it, and I had a really good personal training business. Uh, exceptional, right? I was making 14 grand a month, take home, and uh, things were good except that I was working seven days a week and uh, putting the hours in. Uh, and then uh, it was around uh, early 05, I ended up following a lot of the CrossFit stuff uh, early on and uh, calling uh, Greg and talking to Tony Budding all the time back in the good old days. Uh, went out, got certified. Uh, back then, it really wasn't a certification, though. You remember kind of back in the early days, it was more like everyone in the entire world that CrossFitted was all in Santa Cruz the same weekend, right? It was a different type of a vibe. Um, so that was kind of the start of it for me. Uh, then we were, you know, heavily involved in early on, like making these on-ramp type programs in CrossFit and, and being like this gym that was like one of the test tubes for a lot of that stuff to really grow and, you know, change. You know, we went from doing five classes a week for $150 a month and uh, you know, we, we're talking with a lot of the original affiliates, like, let's, let's add classes, you know, like, let's, we, you know, we're running spreadsheet math early on, like, well, if we add 25 classes, we can get 150 clients, this is how much money we'll make. And early on, no one really, you know, we didn't look at overhead and having to go out and buy equipment for 20 people and, you know, the insurances and hiring employees and, like, no one really took that into consideration early on. And so we kind of charged down that path and from, I guess helping affiliates and then also being a part of the collaboration that used to go on really got me on my journey of, from a, like a business consulting side and, and ultimately lead me to, the, to this out of the cave thing, which is fantastic. But you know, we were in the early, do you remember the mastermind groups early on in CrossFit? So we're part of that thing, which was in pretty cool sharing numbers and doing all that. So I've had this passion for that, like everybody collaborating and, and helping each other and sharing ideas and and all that. So that kind of led me down the road to um, the gym business wasn't working, right? For me personally, you know, we were crushing numbers, but always broke, you know, and expanding, 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 never any money left over, you know, or a coach would leave and take clients, open a gym back to square one. You know, you're always digging yourself back out of a hole. As soon as things were good, you were back down. So kind of led me to uh, early stages and uh, same thing with Mad Lab. And, you know, trying to create something special in the world, you know, and try to like help as many people. That ultimately led me to moving over and, and being out of the cave media with Chandler. Uh, and this gives us an unbelievable platform because it puts us in kind of our own position where for us, it's about getting back to those early days of CrossFit where it's about relationship building uh, and getting away from, you know, I, like I view personally that the CrossFit affiliate scene has turned into kind of what we were fighting against early on. And to me, it drives me nuts where early on, you know, like Greg was, Glassman was aggressively against like big gyms because the owners made the money and the trainers made no money. And, you know, there was just this like, you know, we were at war, right? Early on, where we were like trying to save coaches and create this opportunity for people. And, uh, and I think really what it turned into is, is this gym owners. And it's the same thing is, you know, now there's, before there was, you know, maybe like five gyms in a, in a, geographical area now there's hundreds you know and there's owners that now I think the owners a lot of the time represent the big box gyms and they, then it's just like 
tens of thousands of coaches that don't make any money in that system. You know, and so it's, I think we, I, I think all we really did is recreate the wheels kind of come around on it. And uh, Chandler and I are real passionate about teaching all these gyms that, you know, they, they need to back kind of into the streets and build relationships and, you know, and, and share their stories and, and actually have like a, a voice coming out of their gym that's not everybody else's voice combined. And so that's kind of our direction. And Out of the Cave gives us a great platform to do that. Okay. And, and so what you guys are basically calling this is relationship marketing, right? Chandler, what does that mean? Yeah, so basically what relationship marketing in a nutshell and what our core values end up being is trying to build a culture of caring in the business, the customer, and the coach. And uh, trying to bridge that gap to make sure all three subsets have that certain amount of care that's involved in it. And what that really comes down to is it's how do you showcase your your business personality and your business identity and your culture and your business to the consumer? And how do you express that to your staff as the owner? How do you display your why and how do you make sure that that relationship is always mapped out and put in a way to where all these different people feel like they're part of your story. So when they watch your content, they go see you at a workshop and when they interact with you, they feel so comfortable with you that when they walk into your gym, it's no longer a sales conversation. It's a conversation of how can I enroll in your in your facility because I'm really comfortable with you. I feel like I know you and I feel like this is the place I need to go because I feel I'm attached to you guys just by seeing what you do. I'm part of your culture and this is me. Okay. And, you know, you guys have said the word story a couple of times. Dave, why, why is it important that the client is part of the business's story? And, like, you know, why is the business's story even important? Well, ultimately, you know, when you're looking at the tens of thousands of gyms out there, the ones that are successful, uh, they have a story. And they're big personality people. And everybody loves being around them. And, you know, what you need to do is, it, I think the, the part I always failed at, and I think a lot of gym owners fail at, is, how do you scale yourself? You know, like, yeah. you know, they, like when they're working, everything's great. And when they're putting out social media and when they're interacting in the local community, everything's great, but then they get burnt out. And then when they put the people in place to replace them, it's like, you need 10 to one. Cause it's just, no one cares the same with it. It's, it's not even that, you know, I don't, maybe it's not care. They don't have the ability. They don't have that relationship and they don't have the personality. Uh, so what we really, we're real passionate about this is, in a, in a facility, the, the owner or the primary coach or whoever the, the whole place is built around, because you really need that person, that community alpha leader. And that person can direct the story and say, this is our vision. But ultimately, you really need to capture like lots of people might not like me. They might like one of the other coaches that's a little bit quieter, that you know interacts, has a different type of a crowd that likes that coach. So you need to have that coach also be able to get their story out. So especially as you're pushing this out to all the social media channels, you know, there's one big story. This is who we are. This is what we believe in. Uh, this is our culture. It's so cool. But here are the people inside of our culture. And someone might not relate to me. They might be like, this guy talks too much. He's on every day doing selfies. I, I just, I can't stand that guy. But I relate to this guy. He looks more like me, talks more like me. So that's where that story is so important. And ultimately where everyone struggles is, is telling your story, getting all your coaches and employees part of your story. And then how do you actually communicate that to everybody? It's, it's the hardest struggles with it. So are you guys helping with getting that story out to potential clients, but also telling that story within your team too? Yes. Yeah, exactly. We, we basically showcase, we do an interview process where we talk about what, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? 
what's your personality type? What are you comfortable doing in terms of like content and all that for your story? And then how, how would you display your story? How can you make this showcased in a way that you're going to get people excited? Because we want to, when the owner talks to the staff about what the vision is, we need the staff jumping up and down and exciting and raving about it because that gets them excited to follow the vision and to want to showcase that vision to the customers. And then when they display what we've built for them to the customer, that turns into this uniquely identifiable system. And it's almost like we had these little mini series organized and then we can put those mini series together and people will follow the entire journey because it's just a continuously told story based on the vision of the company and the personalities of all the staff involved. So, okay. Well, the whole point of this podcast guys is to trigger action. Uh, so, if you're an affiliate owner and you're, you really latched onto that idea that Chandler just explained there about telling your story to the staff, like where would they start with that? What would that look like? Yeah, what I would probably do is organize this into what we call our phases of strategic planning. We wanna say, what is my long-term strategy and where do I wanna be five years from now, four, three, two, one year from now? And then I wanna take that and map it backwards for my roadmap to success. And then from there, I say, okay, now how do we get ourselves to that point to where we're in the, at the culture we want to be, we're producing the content we want to produce, we have workshops and corporate things and all these things going on, and that works into our phases of strategic planning. So plan, phase one is discovery. I need, to, I need to understand and analyze what's going to work, what's not going to work. I need to at, interview all of my staff and say, okay, what are you good at? What are you comfortable doing in terms of blogs, videos, podcasts, all of that? And then once we understand through discovery, what our strengths and weaknesses are and where we need to go and where we can go. We've decided that what we're doing is plausible long-term. We move into phase two, which is our planning phase. And so now planning is, okay, now we need to map this out month by month. What are we going to do? When do we pivot shift? When do we look back and analyze whether or not it's working? And once we have planning organized, we move into execution, which is phase three. And then, so now you're actually executing and doing it, which might be in terms of like a workshop, it's a one day execution, but in terms of a long-term content and storytelling strategy, it's going to be your, your execution phase never really ends. And then after that, we go into our post-execution analysis phase. So now we need to say, okay, we're executing right now. What's working? What's the feedback? Do prospective clients like what we're doing? Do current clients like what we're doing? Is the staff responding well to this? And then we take that and we move that back into the discovery phase to continuously reanalyze what we're doing. So Dave, this one's for you. Chandler mentioned that all the staff it should be asked, you know, what kind of content are you comfortable producing? Do you guys expect that every person on staff will produce some kind of content? Uh, so uh, yes and no, right? So okay. if, if people aren't comfortable with it, there's a couple things where like, if they're full-time staff, it's part of a job requirement, you know? So it's, it's more along the lines of it's not, you know, if we have time for it or I'm so busy, we can't do it. Something that I know Chandler's always saying, but if you don't have time for it, you, you have time to fail because it's, you chose to be in business, you have to do it. You know, it's like, there's no option. But when you get down into like, say part-timers or, you know, maybe like even like off, like office assistants, everybody that's part of the, the overall business, the, the key is, is you want to make sure that you find what they can do, not tell them what they have to do. And you want them to actually you know, want to be a part of the team and want to contribute and want to have fun with it. The whole thing, if they're not having fun, then the whole thing's not going to work anyways. And, right. you know, so it's like, you know, what, what can you do? Let's figure out, like, if, if you're not good at making videos and it takes you four hours to cut a video, it's just, that's just not ever going to be your thing. Let's figure out what your thing is going to be. And then the other thing we do is partner up. You know, if there's a few people that are weaker at some of this content stuff and they just don't, it's hard for them, Put them all together in one piece. 
interview them. You lead it. You know, have the leaders sit down with them, you know, and, and guide the conversation, have fun with them. So there's ways to accomplish it. But like Chandler said, you have to have an actual plan that everybody agrees on and knows how important it is because it's at this point, you know, the way social media has changed the world, you used to have to get someone to actually come in your door to talk to them. Now they click like on a post. It's like they walked in and into your door. You have them. They're engaged with you. Learn how to engage that. And you need a team to do it. One person just can't handle that. So, you know, this is great. And the reason I've asked you to get a little bit deeper on that is there are a lot of affiliate owners who aren't producing any content anyway. So this question None. might be more relevant to them, right? Yeah. If they say, well, what do I talk about? Or like, oh, I can't go on camera or I'm a shitty writer. How do you tell them to start? Yeah, I think it's, it really comes down to, okay, and we do this in an interview process when we work one-on-one with affiliates. We ask them, what are you good at? And Dave has this thing where he says, hey, if you flew down to my gym and you were going to do a workshop for three hours, what would you do? And what, what would you talk about with, have, with no preparation? What could you just spout out for three hours about? And a lot of them are like, oh, nutrition, a wellness, oh, motivation. I'm a motivational guy in the gym. Okay, that's your segment. That's where your passion is. That's what we're going to talk about. And that is one of the strengths that we're going to leverage to make sure that you always have something to talk about and your, your passion really flows out. And so we have this concept where we, we tell people, we really want you to leverage your strengths. If you try to talk about things you're not good at, it's going to come out insincere and you're, you're going to hate it. And then you're not going to do it and you're not going to be consistent. And we need you to execute and be consistent with what we're doing. So if we leverage our strengths, we're actually going to be capable of doing this. And then it comes down to after that, so what, what are you comfortable doing? Do you like blog? Do you like writing? Do you like doing videos? Do you like audio? Do you not want your face on camera? Are you really kind of good at infographics? Can you make really cool pictures that tell a story? Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell us, well, I'm, I love videos or oh, I hate videos. It takes me 30 takes. And, and then based off that, we say, okay, you're the video guy or you're the blog guy or the whole staff might be video people. And then we take the videos and transcribe them to the blogs to repurpose to get some more content out there that's used in a different way. And so it's really based off of what are you good at? What's your personality and how can we display your passion in the best way possible? Okay. That's super interesting because I think a lot of people, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but do you think that people try to be too perfect when they're making content to produce and to publish? So I'm going to go first on that, Chan, because Chan's got a good thing on this, but nobody wants to see perfect. You're not, nobody's producers. It's that one take. It's not about, you know, especially these days, things have changed so much. Content's not about the perfect piece that everybody's going to see, and it's going to change their lives and flood your doors because it was so good, right? They want to see, even when you're getting down to like, we're talking about identifying what you're good at. It's not because you're the motivational guy or you're the weightlifting guy. There's tons of motivational guys. There's tons of weightlifting guys. So right. what, what separates you from them? It's your personal personality. It's who you are. That's so ultimately when we're getting into these stories and stuff, it's not about this is how you do a deadlift, right? And this is how I'm going to motivate you to get off the couch. It's more about me connecting with you on a, on a human level. That's what the thing's really about. And so you need to make sure that you're doing something that you're comfortable with and you can actually connect with. And when you start trying to produce stuff, it's too much. Save up your money and just hire a producer, right? Like you're better off because you're just wasting your time. You're better off. You could do content for weeks in less time than it is to produce something. More yeah, that's, content is better. That's huge. Chan, how important is it that the affiliate owner's face gets out there? Like, you know, at HQ two weeks ago, I was talking to the media team and they were wondering why affiliates don't just use CrossFit.com produced content more often. 
and this stuff is beautiful, it's polished, it's got the right message, but why do we need the local affiliates owner, the local affiliate owner to have their face on their content? Yeah, so what this comes down to, what we've realized working with a lot of gyms is, if you're a CrossFit affiliate, you need to make sure that the name on your door is something that's identifiable. And if it's CrossFit XYZ, we need to make sure that CrossFit XYZ is going to display their culture, their identity, and what they're doing to the people paying attention. Because each CrossFit affiliate has a different, unique personality. They do things a little differently. They do things in a different way or, or some, anything like that. And so what we need to do is we need them to display who they are to the public. And it doesn't matter if, a lot of people think you need to rebrand to do this, but you, you don't have to rebrand to make this happen. All you need to do is understand how to display your culture, of the culture of your affiliate. And if you want to showcase that differentiation, you need to showcase your culture. And how do you showcase culture? You showcase your staff. You showcase the people inside the gym. You showcase the humans that make up the business. And then the humans watching and paying attention to it are going to say, wow, that affiliate is me. I connect with them. I, I see myself in all that content. I, I have to go see them. That is, that's where I need to be. And that's how we start bringing clients in who are clients that we ultimately want to work with right off the bat. And it's qualified leads, as everybody talks about. But if you want qualified leads, you need to showcase who you are to them because then they're going to connect with you and they're going to want to come in. And when we see content out there that's perfect six pack abs and perfectly produced, it doesn't connect with the average person. We need to showcase Sally Joe mom who has three kids running in circles and she's pulling her hair out because she's late for work. And then she runs to the gym and there's kids at the gym. So she says, oh, there's kids there. I can do that too. And mom who's on camera, who's a coach, has her kids running in circles while she's talking, knocking the phone down. But like, I can connect with that madness. And that's what we want to connect with. And that's how you display culture. I see. So when affiliates complain like that people are scared of CrossFit in their audience, is that because the people in their audience have only seen the message from CrossFit.com and not from like the affiliate level? Exactly. Yeah. And that so, comes down to the fact that... Can I address that a little bit, Shan? So Of course. This is, this is like a big topic for me. I love, like, I've been in the game so long and... Um, I love my CrossFit affiliate. I'm the 36th affiliate in the world to kind of jump ahead on my answer there. But um, I think that the, the ultimate problem is this. Early on, we wanted, like, it was like you're begging to be CrossFit. And this was before there was a monster affiliate program. So, right. you know, myself and Neil Thompson with CrossFit Boston, we were the only two in the, in the whole Northeast for years. You know, and, and we were like, it was, it, we could have been the same gym because everything was so close to what we were doing. And, you know, in actually early on, he affiliated right before me. And then so I couldn't affiliate because he had a 30 mile radius of protection around his affiliate. And I'm inside of that. So he had to write a letter and get, so I could be an affiliate, too, because it wasn't wow. a program back then. It was totally different. Right. So we you know, I remember I think it was like early 07. We're on the phone. It was like it was like myself and Andy Petronic with CrossFit L.A., um, I think of who else, Jeremy Thiel, maybe, but we're all talking about, should we, we are, we had different business names back then. And it was built around us. You know, Andy was Patronic Fitness. I was, you know, we were top sealed fitness and wellness. And, you know, my name was in all the newspapers, Dave Picardi, you know, like it was my brand and locally that everybody knew. And so we, the conversation was, should we put CrossFit on the door? Right. And, and the wave was starting to come a little bit. And, we were like, well, we, we actually back then were like, we shouldn't. We know we shouldn't from a good business standpoint, but can't think of a better name, right? So let's do it, you know? And so we kind of jumped in. Well, fast forward all these years, it's not a franchise. So it's not standardized across the world. 
where there's standard marketing, standard everything. There's a marketing budget. We send whatever, 10% up to HQ, they can market out correctly. Like that, none of that's actually happening. It's just right. an affiliation. And so this is where the relationship thing's so important because CrossFit.com's not me. You're right. I'm Dave Picardi. In my in, in my community is not CrossFit.com. So, you know, when they're producing content, which is great. And I'm, I'm so excited that it shifted from the elitism that it was for so long. And now they're really making that effort at normal people. Yeah. But there's too many gyms. Like in, my, in a five-mile radius, there's 13 of us CrossFit affiliates. There's wow. over 100 fitness facilities in the same area total. I need my story, my gym story to come out. And that's, you know, you can leave. Like I know there's a huge problem with people de-affiliating or changing their names and everything. You don't have to change your name, but you do have to have your own story and your own content and you have to get good at it and you have to connect with your local community and you can't rely on a national brand to connect with your local community because they'll just price shop you. They'll just go around like you don't have a story. There's nothing different about you. Right. Okay. Well, I like that you brought the price shopping in there too. And uh, I hope that people who are thinking about de-affiliating because they think that's going to separate them from the market, listen to that last part. It's not, what about, it's not, there's no reason to CrossFit's it great. It doesn't make any sense. It's just, you don't need to de-affiliate. You need to learn how to tell your story, how to display your identity as an affiliate because different people are going to connect with different levels of affiliates. I think in fact, affiliate is going to probably hurt you in the long run because you're going to lose all the support and you're going to lose the ability for people to actually find you on Google and all that. And that combined with being able to tell your story in a unique and identifiable way is going to create a really powerful affiliate story that people will connect with and people in the local communities will want to actually go see. Okay. And you know the, you know the, uh, the traditional thing. Right? So every CrossFit, everyone loves each other, except if someone walks into a gym and they say, you know, I've been, I was thinking of going up the street. You know, there is no, the, the differentiator is, yeah, we're both CrossFit, but I'm better. That's a differentiator. I, I do four sessions. They only do three sessions. It's, it's like nonsense, right? You're both CrossFit. If, if that's what you market as and that's what you use for your marketing, then the consumer has no idea what you're talking about when you tell them you have one extra cert or I have four glued hams. They only have one. Like that's not a market differentiator. You personally are. What you can do to change someone's life, that's a differentiator, not the name on the door. So there's a story that you're telling your staff. There's a story that you're telling your clients. What kind of story should you be telling the people who aren't quite your clients yet to encourage them to become your clients? Yeah. So one way we tell the story to the prospective clients is we take the staff and we give them little micro segments. We do this interview process again with these guys to be able to tell this story. And we have them talk about their specific strengths and what they're, what they're really good at and what they're passionate about. Just like the workshop question I talked about earlier. And then that turns into their segment. And so now we have someone talking about nutrition to the prospective clients, someone talking about leadership, someone talking about motivational aspects. And we tell them we need to, we need to learn and understand the way the prospective clients are thinking. What are they asking? What are they wondering? What are the stressful pieces and aspects in their lives? And how do we solve those problems without them even coming in the gym? How do we make them feel better about their lives? How do we reduce stress? How do we make their eating healthier? How do we give them fixtures on like low back pain and stuff like that? And so we want to speak in a way to where they can have problems alleviated just by listening and watching us. And right there, if you can solve pains in that way, by telling this continuous story over time, these people are going to connect with you on that emotional level. And they're going to feel like you've really changed their lives without actually having to do anything just yet. And then when they walk in, 
now it's a conversation of how can I join right now because you've already helped me so much versus what is the cost and all the other questions people get. So they can help first type mentality. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. Um, <laughs> how do you get that message in front of people? Like what channels are you are you putting this media on? Yeah, so there's several, several different pathways. We look at, we always say focus on where the attention is at. And for affiliates, it's often Facebook and Instagram especially. And so we're putting things on Facebook outwardly. We're getting stuff inside Facebook groups. We're posting stuff on Instagram and Instagram DM groups. A lot of people are on the, the DM groups now, which is huge. But then outside of that, we're teaching affiliates, okay, we need to establish strategic partnerships so we can share some of this content out to the partners who can share it and tag us. Then we need to organize workshops where we can organize like a physical therapist coming in and doing a joint workshop with us. And we need to organize some corporate stuff. So that way, what we really want is we don't want to just focus on the social aspect. We want to focus on the aspect that marketing is not just, it's not just marketing on social media. It's all encompassing. So where are you at in your community? How are you establishing partnerships and relationships with other businesses in your community? What kind of workshops are you doing with other people who could be potential influencers? And then we're putting information out on social and the blogs and all of that other stuff. Okay, that's very, very interesting because I think a lot of that depends on the relationships that you have with your partners and your community, right? Exactly. Yeah, the whole thing revolves around, and this just goes back to like, I know like originally Greg owned his community. My gym that was you know, more successful, I think 12 years ago, owned our community. You know, like we were at everything. So it's not just about going out and joining one BNI group and calling it a day. Like it's about being the governor in your community. You draw like whatever it is, a two mile radius, three mile. If you're in the boonies, a 10 mile, whatever it is. You make sure that every business owner, every organization knows your face, what you're all about in the community uh, and, and get away from selling. Like it's not about, you don't walk into the coffee shop to try to sell somebody on the event that you're running next weekend and then leave. Go there every day and actually build relationships, right? Give them value. Find out how can I help them get more clients, right? I'm going to go host something at their place and bring people to them so they're making money. Then they're going to, in turn, give me the keys to the castle when I come in and say, I want to run an event. What do you think? You know, like, it's, it's not about you. Always get that out of your head. When you're building relationships, it's about the other person. And it's so important, right? And if, if you really... You know, and it's what our, it's uh, every gym owner, this is what we say at least, right? We're out to help people and change the world. It's not about the money, right? So then get your head off of Facebook marketing and sales and all that type of stuff and actually help people, right? Create avenues to help people. And then the way the world works in karma, it'll come back at you. As long as you have a organized game plan that you're executing on, right? And, and you're actually, you're in control of what happens. You can't just sit back and not do anything, right? You have to actually do something to Karma is kind of a foggy concept for a lot of these guys. Do you, right. do you want to share some stories? So I find karma works. I always tell everybody, give more to other people than you expect to get back. And this is okay. huge in establishing like strategic partnerships and with other businesses, especially. So for me, if I want to work with another business, and we, we try to work with, at least we go talk with five a month and build a relationship. It's more of quality. How can I get these people to really care about what I do? Uh, so that way we can really work well together. And so I'll walk into a coffee shop and we'll buy their coffee. We'll get to know every one of their employees by name. We'll hang out in there. We'll start inviting members to come and get coffee with us in those places. And then a couple of months down the road, once we established a really good relationship, we purchased their products a bunch of times with us. That's when we get to the point where we start asking them to do things with us. And that's the idea of I need to give you a lot of value and I need to make sure I give you a ton before I ask you to do anything for me. And 
we always work with that kind of stuff in Karma. So what can I do for you without even expecting anything in return to make sure your life's a little better? And then I can ask you for something when the time is right. And I think the concept, you know, when you look at it, Karma as a concept, it's, it's how you treat the world around you, the energy you put out, right? And this is a you know, law of energy exchange that happens. It's that you should expect that in return, right? Like if, if I'm out helping, then if I'm a good person, right, karma is going to help me. If I'm not a good person and I'm out, you know, I, used to, I had a business relationship years ago. We used to call him the shark because he was like the best sales guy, everybody's friend. He had a smile on his face all the time, but he burned everybody he ever did business with because he's out, I mean, he's out in the ocean smiling, taking little bites out of everything, you know, and so karma has to come back to bite someone like that in the butt, right? Like that's what you have to believe. And if you're a good person, it should help. But the other thing I found is it's say I already said it. You have to be a good person with a plan. You can't just be a good person because then you actually miss all your opportunity to lies on your will and and what you're trying to do. So you have to actually have some sort of a game plan. I, I know for me, my gym's revenues and sales went way up as soon as I stopped coaching so many classes and started walking to the coffee shop because I would always bump into somebody uh, that I could buy a coffee for and just kind of start a conversation. So guys, would you agree that, or would you recommend that people get out from behind their screens and go talk to more people outside the gym then, even though they're not going to see like the direct data trail to profit? 100%. If you're... And we do this with some of the coaches who don't want to produce content. Like, well, I can't do content. Okay, your job is to go out and talk with as many people as you can in the community weekly. And mm -hmm. so I think if you're, it's, it needs to be more than just behind the screen. You need to be out there and meeting humans and talking with humans and going to other businesses and going to networking organizations. And just the more people you know and the more people you meet, the more likely it is people are going to talk about you and send other people your way eventually. And the more relationships you build and the more relationships you, you have, the more likely it is that what you're doing is going to be well-known in your community. And you can do that online, but I think nothing beats an in-person interaction, an in-person relationship, an in-person communication in order to get people to actually care about you and what you do. So guys, I'm going to throw a couple terms out there. Um, sales, schmoozing, kissing babies. I mean, is that what we're really talking about here? And I think this is more about... Uh, it's not like the politics, like uh, what's that movie with Will Ferrell? Like you guys are all the nation's backbone. It's not about getting votes. It's more about, I just want to be a leader in my community. Yeah, always ABC. <laughs> and it's, all, it's about being a leader in your community. And it's about understanding that it, it's not just about selling and getting people to care about what you're doing. It's about giving back and making sure that people know what you're doing and they know that you're not only talking to them, but you're there to help them as well. And for me, if I'm establishing relationships and talking to people and meeting people around town, it's always, what can I do to help you? It's, mm -hmm. what do you do? Well, what I do, it doesn't matter right now. I'm really just, uh, what do you do? And how do we, how do I help you with what you're doing? Then? So it's more about that. What can I do to give more value and then maybe ask for something eventually down the road or even never ask, but then they like you so much and you have such a good relationship. You're the one that they want to send people to and you're the one that they want to talk about just because you were so nice to them. It's about being nice to people. I think we forget that. I think it's and it's about caring. So there's something that, you know, people naturally put up walls when you talk to them. So when you're trying to sell them, you know, there's all these different sales techniques. And years ago, and I've gone through all of it. And, you know, at this point, I anti-sell. I don't carry business cards. If, I, if I'm in the coffee shop, they're digging, like, to find out, oh, you own a gym. And then they feel obligated to ask a million questions about the gym. And, and you know, it's like, just stop. I don't... 
I'm not even here to get you as a client. Like I want to make sure that every time I come in, like I always look at the, I want, I, from a sales point of view, I want to take down the network. I really don't care about the individual. Like, so I, I want to actually be their friend first. And I honestly want to be their friend and really communicate. And so when I come back tomorrow to say, we've used the coffee shop as an example, I want everybody to say, Hey Dave. And I can say, Hey Tom, you know, and go sit down and just have friends at the coffee shop. Like that's more important to me than saying, Hey, let's get you booked for an intro. And then I'm either going to win or lose there. Right. And then the person will probably stop going to the coffee shop because I hard sold them and I'm always in there and they don't want to see me again. You know, or they'll start because they feel obligated because I'm good at it. And then then when they see me, they'll avoid me at all costs because they'll quit the gym or whatever. So it's not about that. It's about Tom probably has lots of friends. And so somebody in his group of friends will probably end up training with me if I interact with Tom long enough. Like that's the long term game. And it's actually building a real relationship, not trying to grow my business right now real fast. You know, there's, you know, maybe other avenues for that, but if you want to build a solid foundation in something that's like bulletproof long-term, like actually go out and care about people. They actually know if you're trying to sell them or if you care about them. They really want the relationship. People exactly. aren't just robots on Facebook. Yeah. Weird, like, isn't it? It's not about demographics and, and, <laughs> right, and finding out, <laughs> fine tuning our searches and upping it to two dollars a click. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. You're, you guys are males age 34 to 42, you know, you must love CrossFit. So, okay. Thinking back to like the top three clients of all time, your favorite people at your gyms, guys, where did they come from? Oh man, my favorite clients come from, they came in, they worked with me. I still have a bunch that worked one-on-one -on -one with me initially, uh, but way back in like 2013 and looking at them, they're my clients that are 40 to probably about 54. They... They go to like the local church. They're very active in the community. They're happy people. They're always couples too. They work together. They use each other as the bridge to get each other to keep coming back. And they're just, they're not fire breathers. They're not interested in being competitors. All they want to do is come in the gym so they can be happy outside the gym and live better lives and hopefully do a couple things together. They like to go for hikes and all that, and be active, and they want to be involved in the gym activities. They don't necessarily want to do like exercise activities outside the gym. They want to go out and hang out with everybody and they want to be part of the community. And so I think it's that, that bridge there. They have, they hold each other up with both of them there. They established a personal relationship and a connection early on, and they want to be part of what we're doing overall. And ultimately they believe in the vision. Okay. That's really, really cool stuff, guys. So guys, I, I want to throw a comment from you. Last week on the podcast, people heard Greg say that the best metric to measure whether you're a successful gym owner or not is how many clients' weddings have you been invited to? What's your first re reaction to that? I think that, that ultimately comes down to that's your relationship with your clients. If they're inviting you to weddings and out to the bar with them and to their birthdays and to all those things, you know you've established that emotional connection. And those clients are probably consider you part of their personal network and you're going to have them forever. Yeah, I, I think that. You know, so the answer is yes. Like ultimately, it's yes, right? And Greg's always been right on that. His sound bites have always, he's always right on. You know, if, if you if you've actually changed somebody's life, you're important to them. And so right. it's this this is where it's a, it goes way above and beyond group fitness and, and what kind of what's happened in the world. If you if you've actually changed someone's lives, then you are the most probably the most important thing. You are invited to the wedding, and it's a given. There's no way you're not. And, and I think that. What people miss is, is it's simple to say, are you getting invited to weddings? But you, you, it goes back to having a plan. 
Like you need to actually make sure that you're building your products, your services, your, your, your time that you're associating with how you're developing this, that you've actually figured out a system in place to do that because you can't change lives. If you have 150 people in your gym and you're working 25 hours on the floor and you're trying to raise a family and do all your stuff, you, you actually won't change lives. You'll run a program, but you won't change lives. And that, that's super important to figure out. You can't have that many relationships successfully that they're going to invite you to their wedding. You know, Greg was a personal trainer, and Greg was an exceptional personal trainer, and so he was able to do that. So it's really understand the levels of your service and charge accordingly, and then give people the right amount of energy in those levels so that you are changing their lives. Got it. Okay. So guys, um, last week I got accused of only thinking long term, like, oh, you know, Cooper doesn't know how to generate leads. And in this podcast, I love that we really kind of focus on that. But if you had to generate, you know, five new leads for somebody in the next seven days, Chandler, where would you go to do that? I would probably either establish some sort of corporate program where we can work together, or I would go establish some quick, some strategic partnerships. I would go talk to a couple of businesses who want to share content and share information with me, because I think that's the way we're going to get in front of more networks. And it's going to get us away from this dependence on leads, where it's how can you get me 30 leads in 30 days? And we're not a lead generation company, so we're not going to do that for you. But we will teach you avenues and pathways that are, are going to lead, lead you to a predictable and sustainable flow because that's what we're all about. And I think if someone accuses you of long-term thinking, it's because they don't understand the long-term mindset yet. And I think that's a really big problem in the community. It's everybody's so short-term because nobody has these systems necessarily established. And so we have to educate them on why this is important and why five years from now we need to be thinking about what's going on and why we need that long-term roadmap to success because – if you're looking for leads tomorrow, you're in a lot of trouble and we need to work to get you out of that position because otherwise you're always going to be continuously doing that. And it's this roller coaster of dependence. If you're looking for leads for right now because you're in trouble, it's because there's a systemic problem in your business. It's not leads. It's something else. And, you know, ultimately, you know, this goes back to kind of how I ran my, my previous business uh, before the whole gym industry and everything. It was it was a sales business. And. You know, the fastest way to, to grow any community is bring a friend, right? It's introduce, it's their network, right? So, and then that gets a bad rap, right? Bring a friend in. So it's the, it's the fastest and probably the really only way to actually grow a solid community. The problem is, is we've turned our gyms into this big, huge group exercise thing where it's actually like, it's, it's, not, re, it's not responsible as a coach to just throw somebody in. You know, it's like, you know, teach you how to swim. You're going to jump from 10,000 feet and you'll hit the water eventually and it's going to be great, right? It's just, it doesn't work that way. So understanding all the different levels of where you can bring a friend is super important. That it's not just in the class, it's all the other stuff, right? And then if I had to have five clients tomorrow, I would go down into my community and I would identify, uh, this is something that every gym owner should know. You should know every profession and every business of everyone that trains in your gym. And if they own a business, Show up at their business, bring them some coffee, show up once a week, go hang out. They'll introduce you to everybody in the place. You'll have five clients tomorrow. It's as simple. It's that simple. I got to tell you guys, um, we have shut down all of our marketing at Catalyst because I bought the building next door and put a coffee shop in it. And <laughs> <laughs> so mostly I sit in the coffee shop and sell gym memberships now. Yeah. All right, guys. I love this is fantastic, and uh, you guys have such a long story. There's so much more knowledge you could share with affiliates. Where can they get a hold of you if they have more questions? 
Yeah, there's probably uh, the three top ways you can email us. We'll answer anything you want. Hello at, at OOTCmedia.com. You can subscribe to the Almost Daily Show. We go live almost every day and then put in a podcast. So search for iTunes for the Almost Daily Show by Out of the K, out of the K Media. And then last thing is you can check out our website, OOTCmedia.com. Awesome. Guys, thanks a lot for sharing some wisdom. I'm sure it's been hard won over the years. You know, we didn't talk about your mistakes, but uh, I doubt that a lot of this stuff just kind of occurred to you overnight, right? So we appreciate it. We appreciate the pains and labors that you've gone through over the last decade to, to get these lessons and now to share them with us for free. Excellent. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thanks for bringing us on. We love talking about the long-term game, and this is where it's at. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.